Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's going to be 80 degrees in Buffalo today. Wow. <laughs> well, what can I say? I'm sending some hot air up to Buffalo from Florida, so that's probably why you're getting that uh, last uh, last minute blast of hot air. So uh, always uh, always good to have a beautiful day. We're probably going to be a little bit warm in that, not a lot, but. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful sunny day here, of course, in Florida. So I'm always excited to uh, to enjoy that, that that good weather and hopefully get out to play a little golf. Um, all right, just to uh, remind everybody, of course, we are live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and we're there front and center every Tuesday from 9 to 10. If you're not able to join us live, just scroll down to the on-demand section and all of the Previously aired shows, including today's, will be there a little bit later on uh, in their entirety there, so you can check them out and listen to the archive section. So got a great show this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined here momentarily by a uh, very special guest, Lisa O'Hurley, the founder and CEO of Lola Sports. And uh, a little bit later on, we're going to have a change in the program. We were going to have uh, a no BS zone discussion, but uh, we're going to be joined by another great guest, Riley Smythe, uh, who is an LPJ Epson Tour player. She's going to be joining us on the second half of the show. So let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. And then we'll bring her on and talk uh, a little bit uh, about her latest collection and so many other uh, things that she wants to share with us. So uh, Lisa is, of course, a former Golf Channel and Golfino executive. Uh, she's a lifelong, uh, has a lifelong love of uh, golf clothes and impeccable sense of style. Uh, starred for four years on the Baylor University's golf team uh, and is, of course, married to actor John O'Hurley, uh, who famously played Jay Peterman on Seinfeld, host of The Family Feud and play the lead in Chicago on Broadway. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest back, I guess, to the show, Lisa O'Hurley. Good morning. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. What an introduction. I appreciate it, and I can't <laughs> wait to tell John about his lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to be with you guys again. Well, we appreciate it. I, We're glad to have you. Jo- Go ahead. I ahead, just... Cindy love your clothing. So tell us how you came about to start this clothing line. Well, first of all, Cindy, thank you so much for saying that. It's much appreciated. It's uh, with a lot of work and care and love that we make our clothes. Um, So um, I had, as you had alluded to in your intro, I've been in golf my entire life, literally since birth with my my dad being a country club GM my whole life. Um, but after the Golf Channel, um, after I had I had an 11-year career at the Golf Channel, which was fabulous for me, um, I, uh, I, I did take a little time off, got married. We had our son. And as he was going into, uh, into kindergarten, I was, you know, looking for something to do. And, of course, I only turned to golf because it's what I know. And, um, you know, for years I had been very, very um, – keen on fashion and golf fashion and um and what i i felt like there was certainly a lack thereof um particularly for you know the style that i was interested in um and i i ended up stumbling upon in europe 
uh, a brand called Golfino, which I which was a 30-year-old brand at the time, so it was <laughs> no shock that I stumbled upon it at some point. Um, and I just I just fell in love with it, and I and that began a career of about seven years with me and Golfino, where I ran their business here in the United States. And it was just it was just a wonderful time where I got to, you know, uh, build our green grass um, account list here, you know, filled with just the, the most premium of clubs in the United States. And and you know, COVID was unfortunate for Golfino. Um, they had 32 freestanding stores that had to close immediately. And that was very hard for them. And they ended up, the family who owned it ended up selling the brand. Um, and the whole thing kind of kind of folded a bit in, in America. They didn't want to do business in America, the new owners, and they definitely didn't want to do wholesale, which was our bread and butter. Um, so I took it upon myself after about a, you know, four days of moping um, to to reinvigorate what what the U.S. needed, which was this same sort of aesthetic of golf clothing. Um, and I paid attention to, to definitely from Golfino's line, what sold here, what were the fabrics the women liked here in America, what were the styles they liked. And, you know, I was able to get, you know, my partner is, is my absolute favorite designer who came from Golfino, and he, he's an English lad. Previously, he designed for Burberry in England. And... Um, and so he is, uh, he is my partner in crime, so to speak, in this in Lola Sport. And then I already had a great sales team, and we certainly had lovely customers. So I just, I kind of put everything in place with a different brand. Um, so Lola Sport, to, to many, is Golfino 2.0. Um, however, it, you know, we definitely have a, a, a little bit of a different look. We're definitely more American looking. Um, we peel more to American colors and to the American lifestyle. Um, and particularly in Los Angeles, where I live, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, we live a kind of a laid back life in Los Angeles. And, and so we have translated that into our clothing um, in, in style and in color and, you know, in wearability as well. You know, we were, we're very lucky to have Annika Sorenstam as our, as our brand ambassador globally. And one of the things that she mentioned to me, which is what drew her to Lola Sport is she said, I don't feel like when I'm walking around all day, like I have a golf glove hanging out of my back pocket, meaning that, you know, that our clothes were really transitional and that she, you know, she puts them on in the morning and, and, you know, she's prepping dinner. She's taking her kids to school. She's got her various business activities. You know, she practices obviously and all in the same outfit. And, you know, no one would ever say, Oh, you know, she's walking around in golf clothes all day. So it's, that that was a, a really uh, a great thing of her to say because it it really pinpointed what I felt about the brand as well. That's awesome. That's... So Lisa, let me ask you. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to Annika in just a moment because I know that you've uh, helped uh, engineer her her uh, wardrobe makeover for for lack of better words. Um, but I, I just want to touch on something you said, which was very interesting. I think a lot of people don't understand that. And that is sort of the difference between sort of the European style of clothing compared to the U.S. What's some of the uh, – I mean, obviously, there's a, a lot of differences, but what are some of the primary differences that you've found over the years between the two? Because it is a definitely uh, a different style. Yeah. Well, let me, let me first of all um, sort of paint a picture about some of the similarities that are great or some of the things that we – you know, I, I, I did get a designer in Europe for a reason – because you know some of the things that they do are are singularly wonderful. Um, they have, first of all, they they engineer great colors. Um, you know, I I am I am a woman who loves color, and um, and we have rich, deep tones. Even if it's a pastel, I mean, we make a you know it's a, it's a it's a, a full hue. It's a you know it's a it's a different way to do color. It's not so bland. Um, and so I really enjoy that. I also enjoy the way that they put outfits together. So, um, you know, for lack of a better term, we're, we're talking about like, you know, granimals for adults, whereby within our collections, you can mix and match to create, you know, six, eight, ten different outfits. And I love that. I think that that's great. And that certainly is more of a European way to design and show clothes. And I love that. Um, but, you know, there were some things that, um, you know, uh, <laughs> well, well, let me, I'll just put it bluntly. You know, in golf, you know, we had a lot of um, animals and um, 
different faces <laughs> on the clothes looking at you. I did promise our American customers there won't be any eyeballs on the clothes this time. Um, but, you know, they also, um, we did relax the fit a little bit. Um, European, you know, even, even in men's European clothes, they, they like to wear things more tight. Um, and right. there's really, to be honest, there's nothing wrong with that because the fabrics are so good. They're so stretchy, but in America, they're not as into that or it's not quite as, um, I don't know, readily popular. So what we've done is we've, we've, we've created a fit that I say it's, it's streamlined to the body. It's not tight, but it certainly isn't baggy. I mean, I, I, I don't enjoy baggy clothes and, you know, I don't believe that our customer does either. So it is. It does streamline close to the body, but it's not tight on you. And I think that that was that's kind of a unique fit that we have at Lola Sport. Yeah, and, and I know exactly what you mean when you look at a lot of the European designers. It is a much more form-fitting and a much tighter um, look, if you will. And you know, I think it's it's fine for some. Uh, over here, but again, everybody sort of has their own preference, and I like what you've done. I looked at uh, obviously your your website recently, and and I've seen some of the the newer uh, collections that you've got up there, and it, it is you know still very form fitting, but not looking like it's got a death grip on the body, which is nice. Right. And I think it you know that's important. <laughs> yeah. important. People people want comfort. You know, I think over here in the United States, people are really into comfort. Uh, certainly want style, but they want comfort as well. And I think if if some people are very um, you know, maybe self-conscious about having uh, clothing that's too tight. So let's talk about Annika for a moment. Uh, you mentioned that she's a, an ambassador of yours. Um, how did that sort of come about? And what were some of the things that you did to sort of give her a little bit of a makeover in her wardrobe? Um, well, Annika and I had been friendly um, for years. Um, you know, obviously she is who she is. I mean, you know, the first five times I met her, I was intimidated as heck. You know, I mean, the woman has won 90 times. I mean, that's, that's right. I mean, I can't even, I, yeah, I don't even think I've played in, in 90 competitive events. But um, she is, um, you know, she's an amazing lady. Um, what, during our years of sort of becoming friends, you know, we see her at, at various events and, and causes. And also, she was really close to Arnold Palmer, as was I. Um, from my time mm. at the Golf Channel, and so there were very, there were many, many events that Arnold's would have that she and I would both end up being at, and she and her husband. And so I just became friendly with them. And so as she, um, as I was starting Lola Sport, and and you know, soon after that, she was kind of winding up her her deal with Cutter and Buck. Um, you know, I went to her husband, who's her who's her manager, her agent, and I said, I just want to be in the in the chat. I said, I realize I'm brand new that the, the odds are very low for me, but I just want to be in the conversation because I do think she would look great in the clothes. And so he said, okay, mm-hmm. we'll keep you in the conversation. So early on, um, I decided to send her a box of clothes because I thought, you know, if she doesn't like the color of the fit, the fabrics, then really, you know, I don't want to waste her time. So right. um, I, did, I did send her a box of clothes. I sent her about, you know, four outfits. And so over the, you know, the next, three weeks or so, Mike, her husband, would continue to send me little, you know, iPhone pictures of, well, here's Annika on a Zoom call. Here's her taking the kids to school. Here's her practicing. And she was wearing my clothes in every one of the pictures. And I was like, well, this is great. At least she's, you know, she's trying it out. She's definitely, you know, getting the feel for it. And, you know, in the end, she just really liked it. She loved the clothes. And, you know, I know that she had been approached by several other companies and probably, I'm sure, with a lot more money than I have. Um, but, um, but in the end, you know, she enjoyed the clothes, and she and I are both very similar in that we like to do business with people we like. And, um, right. and she and I had so much fun over the past two years. Um, it's just been, it's been, I mean, it's, first, I don't think it feels like work to her or me. So it's just been a really, really enjoyable partnership. And I just, you know, I mean, I can't think of anyone better, you know, that I can imagine having wearing our clothes. Now, in terms of a makeover, so to speak, um, you know, we, we are definitely different looking than Cutter and Buck. And Annika is a really, she's super fit. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if many people really knew that up until 
she made a wardrobe change. I mean, our clothes, as I say, they fit a little different on her. They are a little more streamlined to her body. You can see her figure, you, and you can see how 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 her, her her strength and how much she works out, and she's very very toned. And um, and I think that's been really nice. I mean, I think uh, I certainly can tell that she looks. I mean, well, of course, you're asking me. I think she looks a lot better. And you know, she mm-hmm. looks. Um, you know, she she looks younger. She looks more uh, more in shape. So I just I, I think it was a really great change for her, um, and she loves the clothes. So that's you know I can I'm just so happy about that, and it's it's just been a wonderful partnership. Well, and who wouldn't love to have um, a wardrobe that flatters, you know, what you already have? And that's really what I think everybody looks for, and particularly for for women. I mean, all women want to look nice and look their best. And I think for somebody even like Annika, who's very athletic and and as you said, in shape. Um, still wants to look her best when she's out there, whether she's, you know, out in the links somewhere or whether she's in a boardroom uh, meeting or, yeah. or taking her kids to school. She wants to make sure she looks her best and feels her best. So um, I can see where that would be uh, sort of a match made in, in heaven. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I think the other thing is the clothes fit her style. They're corporate-looking, business-like. She just, she totally looks better. She just looks like a businesswoman who's in shape, who looks like a businesswoman who means business but is friendly. So they just compliment her and the clothing. So great job. Yeah, thank you. And, Ted, going back to to your comment as well, I mean, my number one goal with this line is for women to receive compliments. (laughs) As silly as that might sound. I want a woman to, first of all, feel great as she's putting it on. But, you know, I'd like her to go to the country club and at least get one compliment of somebody saying, wow, you look great today, or I love that shirt, or I love that outfit. Because, mm-hmm. you know, who doesn't want that? <laughs> so, so, and I don't, right. you know, we, we, we make clothes that are, as I, as I say, they're, they're alluring, but they're not overtly, you know, sexy. That's not my goal. Either I'm, you know, and and I like Cindy what you said about her looking more business-like. That means to me, that means she looks put together, and um, and that is the goal I'm going for. I want I want women to look nice and respectful and put together and classy, classy. That's yes. what yes. Thank this you. line is classy. Like wow. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> That's exactly when you see this line, you look whoa. She and that when you see her at an event or in a post, it's like, whoa, what did she change? So it's way better. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate and, and that. And that's not to put down any other clothing line. It's just better. So, anyway. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then you got a question? No. I'm I'm a wannabe clothing oh. person. I have a sweatshop in <laughs> my I've had a sweatshop for a long time. I I have a baritone machine and a two-headed machine, and I used to sew hand applique and. Oh, that's cool, Cindy. For for Augusta, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I may have to hire you. No, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I started doing it. I wanted to make clothes for my kids, and I bought a $2,000 sewing machine, and then. A friend of mine was an independent sales rep, and she started selling shirts and sold $35,000 worth of shirts. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, well, do you want me to sell them or not? I'm like, Jesus. And then I'm sewing shirts all night. And then Augusta <laughs> National ordered 144 dozen shirts to the Masters. I had to go to New Era Cap and have them logo shirts. And then he's like, we're in the hat business. You're a pain in my butt. Go buy an embroidery machine. So bought a $35,000 two-headed Baritone machine. Oh, my God. Then I opened a store. Yeah. I like this story. This is good. Yeah. You know, embroidery is a lost art. Yeah. Yeah. And so Bessie the Bitch is her name, and she's a a dead embroidery machine in my garage. Uh, Dave Cook, who owned New Era Cap, passed away. The machine lasted longer than he did, and he told me she would last forever. And now I have a single head in the back room that I play with. 
so I stopped doing it. Anyway. That's awesome. So I'm so Lisa, let me, by you. Lisa, let me ask you, um, you also introduced another line, uh, the 007 collection, obviously uh, based on the James Bond theme. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. That's very interesting. I've never heard that before coming <laughs> well, from, especially you know, from, a, you know, go ahead. A ladies brand. <laughs> I know. Yes. Well, you know, if you can't have fun, Ted, then why do we do it, right? So, um, you know, each season we have a theme, okay? So that we, we weave through the, because we have five different fashion collections within each season, and we weave a theme through it. Now, for me, growing up, I watched every James Bond movie there was 10 times. My dad was super into it. I loved them. Um, and, and when I moved to Los Angeles, um, I was able, like very fortunate, a friend of a friend, I got to play golf with Sean Connery like five times. And it meant so much to me. He was so fun and vigorous. And he, he was just, he was funny. He was a hoot. And I just loved it. And I thought, and he really was dashing. And he really was, you know, a, a man of the world. Everything you would think James Bond would be. And so when we were, in, when we were starting the designs of this collection, the designs were coming out where they kind of, to me, they looked Bond girl-esque. And what I mean about that is if you even go back now and you review the old James Bond movies, that, first of all, Bond girls always stand out, and they always have great style, and there's something that they're wearing that even you could wear today that would be super fashionable. And they were very sleek and um, alluring, stylish, and I just really, you know, it's a, it's a part of each movie that really stands out. And so with this collection, um, we, it's, it does have a very sleek look in all five of the groups. And um, the colors are, are, as I say, really rich and, um, and go together very well. Um, and it, as, as, I, as I've told some friends, it, it feels like, you know, you, where you're wearing these clothes, you can go, you know, make a lot of birdies or you can send off assassins, either one. So um, I like the way that th- these, these fall collections have come out. So we have, um, we've named them according to some of our favorite movies. We have Skyfall. We have Diamonds Are Forever. Um, we have For Your Eyes Only. Uh, Casino Royale, which is upcoming and probably my favorite one. And then we have Goldeneye. So, um, and each one, to be honest, really looks like their title. And, um, and we've incorporated, you know, some of, the, some of the colors were represented in the movies. I mean, this was, it was really thought out. And, um, and so, yes, we have unveiled our, our 007 collections. We have three of them right now on the website uh, on lolasport.com, and two more are still to come. So, you know, we, we stagger them out as, as fall rolls out. Um, so uh, three are available now, two in the upcoming, but all five are really, really special collections to us. You know, it's interesting, and, and you're exactly right, and it goes to really a, a comment that Cindy made a few moments ago, and that is really very stylish and very classy. Um, and the Bond girls were always, in all of the, the Bond movies, um, you know, right from the very beginning, right to the very end, were always very classy looking and very stylish. And um, I think that's why they were so well known, um, even above and beyond the actress themselves. It's just the, the style of their clothing and that. So I, I like that you've sort of adopted that theme, uh, you know, for, for, you know, for, well, I guess several lines really, but um, clothing line, I think it's very, a unique approach to it. And uh, I was sort of sifting through the collection earlier and uh, you definitely hit it right on the head. And I got to also add in there, I don't know whether it was uh, just coincidence or if you were listening to me the last couple of times that you were on the show, but I said, I would love to see a men's collection. And I see that you now have an exclusive <laughs> men's line on there as well so i'm very happy i'm very happy to hear that so tell us tell us a little bit about that we do and it's really exciting well um we have a um unusual for a ladies golf brand we sponsor an indy car um at the indianapolis Mm. 500 and that was 
Um, that's in partnership with um, Cusick Motorsports, who is a very uh, dear friend of ours and also a business partner of ours in several ventures. So Cusick Motorsports, they have a an Indy car at the Indy 500 driven by Stefan Wilson. Um, Lola Sport is prominently displayed on the car. In fact, the first year it was just us. But now that this, it's become more popular, now we, we share the car with a few other brands. Um, but, you know, we've done it for three years now. The first two years, um, I arrive at the event, and all I hear is, where's the men's stuff? Where's the men's clothes? Where are the men's collections? Right. So this right. year, we finally made one men's collection. Um, it is um, it is on the website. Um, the Probably the best part of the collection is that we were able to recreate our fabulous bestseller pant for women in a men's version. So they are called the Very Pant for Men, and or maybe the Very Men's Pant. Um, but we've got three colors of those pants, and, um, you know, that's probably our hot seller in the men's line is because it also is the hot seller in the ladies' line. Um, but it also, it definitely has the colors uh, of racing, um, auto racing. It's got, you know, navy, black, white, blueberry, and red. Those are the colors that you see predominantly when you go to the Indy 500. Um, mm-hmm. We've got great color blocking, which is also very representative of that sort of look. Um, but you know we've, we we did it in a golfy way so that you know you still can you know you can take your your race look so to speak to the golf course, um, and then we've got some great outerwear pieces. The jackets men really like, and that's called the fairway jacket. And then we've got a pullover, um, which is you know in it's really like a a, a fine sweatshirt is what it is um, quarter zip, mm-hmm. and we've got that in three colors. So we've got yeah it's a small collection, but it's lovely. I I. Highly suggest you try it <laughs> while you can, because it's a limited time only thing. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't want to be in the men's business. There's plenty of players right. there, and and they make you know great clothes, and you know I don't need to compete in that necessarily. But it's really great to be able to provide, especially some of the men who've been supporting us um, since day one. Mm-hmm. It's really great to provide them something to be able to wear. Adds a little bit of uniqueness as well. I really like the shorts too. Uh, it looks, I mean, obviously I'm going from yeah. the images, but uh, it looks like they're a little bit longer in the, the uh, leg portion of it, which is nice because a lot of the um, men's, you know, golf attire that you see out there tends to be a little bit shorter and uh, it's just not as, you know, a, a good of a look. So I like what you've done here. Um, yeah. And uh, definitely. It's true. They are, um, they are I, a little longer and we're getting rave reviews for the shorts. Yeah, they look great. Um, well, hopefully periodically you'll, you'll pop a little men's line once in a while. I know you're not, that's not your forte, but, uh, it'll be nice every once in a while if you pop a men's, uh, line in there with, uh, maybe a different yeah. theme every once in a while, just to, just to mix I, it up and I spice agree. it up a little bit because we need help. Trust I, me. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. And that is sort of on the drawing board that, you know, on occasion that we will, we will pop in a men's line, you know, I'm already having. The men who bought the pants, they're already, you know, asking for, you know, khaki, <laughs> you know, exactly. the, the important colors. So um, khaki, white, yeah, red. You, so um, <clears throat> we might expand that. Yeah. I mean, you don't obviously, uh, I, again, I, I appreciate where you're coming from. You're obviously a, a women's line. Um, but uh, it, it's nice to just throw something in there just for, for the guys once in a while because Lord only knows we, we need the help. I mean, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, there's not a lot of great, to be honest, a lot of great options out there, especially as we get a little bit eight, uh, long in the tooth, as they say, um, it just yeah. gets worse. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not 30 anymore, so I can't wear some of the yeah, outfits. Yeah, well, me neither. Um, any, any, any final thoughts, Cindy, or, or questions that you have for, for Lisa before we let her go? I'm good. Thank you for what you do. Great job. Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate your support. Yep. And, um, just to let the folks know, uh, obviously, we're going to give you the website. It's lolasport.com, and it's L-O-H-L-A uh, sport.com. All of the things that we talked about this morning are on there. Some great deals. Obviously, uh, you're having a summer sale, 40% off, so if you want to check that out on some of the items, uh, go to lolasport.com. Lisa, as always, thank you very much for, for coming on, and much continued success, as Cindy said, on all of your endeavors coming up. And um, just thanks for doing what you do. And I'm sure Annika is oh, uh, excited to be a part of it. You're very thank welcome. Thank you, Ted. I really, really appreciate the time this morning. All right. Thank you, and have a great uh, rest of your week.
You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was Lisa O'Hurley from uh, introducing uh, some new lines. And uh, it, it is very interesting. You know, Cindy, real quick, um, as we wait for uh, uh, for Riley to, to come on board, she does have a little bit of a different style. And one of the things that I really like is her clothing can be worn not just by younger women, but more mature women as well. Um, a lot of the clothing lines out there now are definitely targeting a much younger market, and it's not really something that some, you know, some of the more mature women really want to wear. And it's, like you said, it's classy. They want classy stuff. They want to certainly feel, you know, young environment and all that, but at the same time, they don't want to look trashy. And there's a lot of stuff out there that do. And uh, she, I think, does a great job in really sort of bringing that that little bit of the youthfulness to it, but at the same time, does it in class. Do you agree? Right, and it's more flattering to a more mature oh, that, woman, I think. Yeah, it, it, exactly, it, exactly. All right, uh, again, thank you to uh, to Lisa O'Hurley for joining us this morning. All right, let me introduce our next guest. Uh, as I mentioned, we've moved uh, uh, the No BS Zone. We'll try to fit that in next week, but uh, we're excited to be joined by another great guest, uh, Riley Smythe. Uh, she's uh, uh, playing on the uh, LPGA's Epson Tour right now in her hometown of Cary, North Carolina. She is a graduate student from UVA, uh, where she also played on the women's golf team and was named to the 2022-23 ACC Honor Roll. Uh, and she's just finishing up her rookie season on the Epson Tour. So, uh, Cindy, let's welcome our, our next guest, uh, Riley Smythe. Good morning. Morning. Well, thank you, Riley, for joining us, and uh, we appreciate you uh, uh, getting up early and, and coming on the show. Um, so where are you now? Are you on to the next event for Epson? Yeah, so uh, thank you thank you for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I'm currently in Daytona Beach, Florida, for the Epson Tour Championship this week. Um, yeah, I'm actually uh, going to play my first practice round today, and the tournament starts on Thursday this week. Perfect. So tell us a little bit um, about your season so far. How are things, you know, this is obviously the final event for the season. This was your rookie year. What were some of the challenges that you had this season, not just in your play, but, but just overall getting sort of used to things? Because you, uh, you just graduated, as I mentioned, from UVA, or you're just sort of finishing up. Um, so now you're, you know, not on the, or not going to be on the women's golf team. You're now going to be primarily out on your own. Um, how did you find the season so far? It's definitely a difficult challenge just trying to adjust to everything, um, kind of handling everything. In college, all of your travel is completely covered, completely booked for you, um, practice rounds, um, and just everything – in terms of the tournament is completely taken care of for you by the coaches. Um, and then even when we are at home, it's the schedule is very in terms of practice, workouts, um, even some, the timing of meals and everything because of classes where out here you have to manage everything on your own which I think is definitely a big, big adjustment. Um, fortunately, I, I have a for logistics, so that definitely made it a little easier. But definitely just the adjustment of getting used to everything has been, has been tough, but it's been a very enjoyable year so far. Well, that's good. And what about your play? I mean – you know, you you finished, I think, tied for six uh, in the last week's event. So, obviously, you had a, a good finish. But how do you feel about your season overall? Do you feel that you um, played your best? And did you feel that there were parts of your game maybe that you struggled a little bit throughout the season that you want to sort of tune up in the off season? I think definitely – I think I've had a pretty solid year so far. Um, there's always room for improvement. Um, but definitely just being able to come out here in my rookie year and make a lot of cuts 
has been really encouraging where it's just with my kind of support team back home, it's just really a matter of just seeing where my game stacks up with the competition and then being able to take this into off season and just see where I can improve. And it's just, for me, it's just a little bit here and there where each week it seems that a different part of my game has clicked. Um, Last week, luckily, everything came together a little bit more. Um, But, again, there's just always room to improve and room to get better. Um, And I think that's where I'm looking forward to off-season of being able to test my game. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. This is a, this is going to be really the time for you to look back on the season um, after you finish, obviously this week's event, and to be able to say, okay, here were some of the areas that I really feel were coming together as yeah, as you got ready to close out the season, and here are some of the things I still need to work on. And um, obviously, I know that you're monitoring, and your team is is doing that as well, and that's going to give you uh, some good ideas of things. Okay, this is what I've got to work on moving forward. Uh, as you get ready to to go into uh, the next season. So um, uh, definitely some great observations. Cindy, go ahead. What was the best part of this whole year for you? So I think, obviously, last week was a lot of fun, just um, getting to have my first top ten as a professional. Um, But I think overall just – I think the – camaraderie out on this tour is unbelievable where the people that I've gotten to meet this year and spend time with while it is an individual sport has been, has definitely been the best part. Tell our listeners how, what you mean by that. Cause I, I totally agree with you. And the funny thing is, is these people that you meet, because I played on the mini tour and the LPGA tour, um, I counted this year that 47 years ago was my first LPGA tournament. And I played in the senior LPGA championship this year, which was 47 years after my first LPGA tour event, which is hard to believe. And... I played with the same people I played with 47 years ago. So you need to remember all this stuff. And the other thing is I said to, we have a young girl who's going to stage two in a couple weeks. And I said to her, every single dime you make is going to matter because I got into this event off the career money list. I said, so you're going to think that every shot doesn't matter. Every shot does matter. So every, tiny little dollar you make is going to matter and could matter 47 years from now. So tell us about all those buddies you meet and how you meet them. Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, through practice rounds, through the tournament rounds um, are the most obvious ways, but then even through going and seeing the physio, you run into a lot of the same people or just practicing and sitting on the range um, and the pro-am parties or even how I met a lot of people is we stay at casinos a lot because of the fact that the tournament is at the casino course and they end up giving us a really great rate for the rooms, which is awesome. Um, And because of that, everyone kind of just hangs out on the gaming floor just because they know that other their friends are going to be down there. They'll run into other people and just the entertainment value of being on the gaming floor at a casino is a ton of fun during <laughs> tournament weeks. And right. um, so it's just those little things that you run into the same people all the time and so slowly but surely you get to know them and I think everybody's looking for friends out here because of the fact that we're all we're all doing the same exact thing we all know how much of a grind it is and how much of a struggle it is 
traveling every week, being away from family and friends at home, um, that I think everyone comes together more because of that. Well, and the other part of this is this is very lonely. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you're it out is, there yeah. by yourself unless you've got a family member or a caddy that you're traveling with. Right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's definitely lonely. You, I mean, even if you are traveling with the family member or caddy, I mean, as much as as much as you love someone, you always need a couple minutes away from them every now and then. Um, and when you are staying in a hotel three, four weeks in a row, you do need somebody else other than just that one person you're traveling with. Um, otherwise, Absolutely. it does get very lonely. It gets. I mean, there's a lot of downtime out here because we do have three days of practice rounds. Um, And even tournament days, you're not trying to do too much physically outside of the round itself because it's already energy draining enough that to conserve your energy for the final round, there's not too much that you can do. And so it just leads to a lot of downtime. Right. So there's my next question. What do you do? For- Watching a lot of TV. Um, I, I'm currently binging The Lincoln Lawyer. Um, I just got recommended it a couple days ago. Um, and just that that's something that is low energy, but it keeps my mind occupied. It keeps my mind off okay. of the what ifs, what I need to do the next day in the tournament round if things are going good or bad, it just keeps my mind occupied and away from the course. Good girl. Good girl. Ted? Uh, just on a side note, I haven't watched the series. Have you ever seen the original Lincoln Lawyer movie with Matthew McConaughey? I have not, actually. You need to watch it. It's good. I'll definitely be, I'll definitely be on that. Yeah. It's it's a good movie. He did a good job in that in that movie. It's very interesting, a lot of twists and turns. But I won't I won't spoil it for you. But it's a good movie. You definitely have to see it if you're going to watch the series. Uh, so, let me ask you, um, when you're going from tournament to tournament, obviously, last week is over. You're certainly going to you know draw from your experience what worked, what didn't work. You're going to focus on obviously the positives coming through. What is your thought press process coming into this tournament um, as far as how are you going to prepare yourself? Obviously, you're going to practice. You're going to play practice rounds. But mentally, how are you going to prepare yourself? Yeah, I think it's just really, really making sure that the weeks are separated um, because while I did play well, last week has no bearing on this week. It was the same as right. the previous week because I ended up the week before I in Arkansas, I actually ended up missing the cut. Um, and so then being able to come back and have a top 10, it just, it really shows how week to week, because the course is different, um, the setup is different. By the time the tournament starts, it's been three or four days since the last tournament round. There's so much that can change that I try not to put too much stock in what has happened or what will happen and just really staying in the present moment how my swing currently feels because it doesn't matter how good things have been. They can always be better. They can change for the worse. And so just really trying to, stick with the same routines that I've had all year in terms of preparation of playing my practice rounds, getting in a little bit of practice and just really making sure that my body feels good um, and just really alleviating any mental burden of having to play well. That's a good strategy. Uh, uh, Just uh, again, on a side note, I actually attended last year's, um, 
Epson Tour Championship at Daytona. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, last year, uh, literally the, the, the days leading up to the event, they had, in fact, they were almost close to canceling it. Uh, there was a hurricane that went through and uprooted a lot of the trees, and there was some flooding on the course, but they managed to turn it around uh, and still be able to proceed with the event. So you're actually going to luck out this year. Uh, they've had a, a year. There's no bad weather, I don't think, in the in the mix coming up. So you'll have a good uh, few days uh, through this event. But, yeah, they had uh, kind of touch and go last year uh, leading up to this this week's event with that hurricane that went through that area. It did a lot of damage. And, uh, un- unfortunately, it uh, I-, I think it, it played in a lot of people's minds. But um, I think you'll have a good event this week. Yeah, I, I definitely so, heard about the hurricane, um, but even even this week, I haven't I haven't been out on the course yet. But the in the past week, they've actually had 15 inches of rain here. Right. So it will yeah, be. So <laughs> I think the main the maintenance crew is definitely working hard to keep the course in good shape for us. But uh, definitely a little bit of similar ish conditions to last year. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I was actually. Uh, I was actually dumbfounded when I pulled up and, and saw some of the trees still tipped over. I mean, big trees, and it was just amazing. It was just incredible to see what went through. And uh, so, let me ask you, as far as um, when you're out there and you're playing, and let's say you've got a you've had a bad shot, maybe even a bad hole. What do you say to yourself to turn that around? How do you sort of overcome that? Because that's something that a lot of amateurs, I'm sure you've seen in pro-ams, really struggle with. They have a bad you know, shot or two, or they maybe even play a bad hole, and they're sort of dragging that, that negative baggage with them. What do you say to yourself in that moment to say, okay, you know what, I hit a bad shot, or maybe that last hole didn't go the way I hoped it would, but and then what do you say to yourself moving forward? So that I think I still struggle with a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of players do just because it is so hard to just completely drop it from memory. Um, but, uh, I mean, I just really – I try my best to stay in the moment. And I think one of the things that my swing coach over the years has said to me is win one shot. All you have to do is win the one shot in front of you. Um and what you did to get there doesn't matter. What you do after it doesn't matter. All that you can control is the one shot that's in front of you. That's a good a good strategy as well. Uh, great uh, great process. Um, so Riley, you when did golf sort of take root with you? I mean, obviously you played um, at UVA on the women's golf team and that. But when when was golf? When did you sort of first get bitten by the bug? Did you play other sports? And and if so, what was it about golf that, that really sort of resonated with you and said, you know what, this is something I'd really like to uh, to explore? I did play a lot of other sports growing up. Um, my parents would take me and my brothers out to the course every now and then, and we would just kind of mess around. Um, but... For a while, I played basketball really seriously, um, and then it wasn't until high school, actually, that I really took up golf as my main sport, um, and I think it was really, it's just the overall competition of just m- me being out there by myself and figuring out how, like, how to hit different shots and how to get better because there is always room for improvement and there's always room to be better that I think that challenge really pushed me to enjoy it even more because there's no, there's no one right way to play. There's no one perfect round that Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, so different from other sports where you are relying on a team and um, your role can be so different day to day versus out here. It's, it's me against the course. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a fallback person. I agree. You've got to, 
you have to step up yourself and you don't have teammates to rely on. I mean, obviously there's certain scenarios like in the, in the Solheim cup and things where, you know, in those types of situations where you do, uh, again, are in a team format, you do have others to, to, you know, pull for you and, and rely on in, in difficult times. But essentially for the most part, you're up there by yourself and, and uh, you have to listen to the voices in your, in your own head uh, as you navigate around. I want to just really quick, and then Cindy, I'll throw it back. This is something that my friends and I used to do kind of as a joke to one another, uh, just to sort of stymie it. And I'm just more curious, if you were in a situation where, let's say, you were playing uh, in a playoff against a competitor, and the rules official walked up to you and said, okay, ladies, um, you're allowed to pull three clubs out of your opponent's golf bag that they cannot use on this hole. What were the three clubs would you pull out of your uh, uh, playing partner's bag, and what three clubs would you not want to be pulled out of yours? Uh, I think I'd definitely, I'd probably pull driver, putter, and like a seven iron out of my playing partner's hand, uh, just because I think those are those are clubs that on most holes girls are going to have to hit on um right. and just generally that that would make it where you got to be a lot more creative um mm-hmm. i definitely for my driver putter and probably 60 degree wedge to be taken on my bag just because i think Putter is just so critical in terms of being able to make a putt in a playoff when you're already um, and, and I think a wedge just makes it not having a wedge makes it harder the green, which if you're right. on a couple of clubs, you're more likely to do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's it. And that, that's kind of along the lines of what we would do. And we would just do it to make it fun. So we would, you know, at the beginning of the round before we went out, we would say, okay, you have, I'm going to pull three clubs out of your, your bag. And, and then we'd have to lock them in the trunk so they couldn't cheat and sneak them back in. Um, but it was just to really make it fun. And it makes you think, and, and you raised a very interesting point. That's the reason why I asked it is I noticed that, you know, obviously two of the clubs were the same for, for both you and your partner, but yours – was a different one that you didn't want pulled out, and that was a, your 60-degree wedge. And obviously, you explained that. Um, and it's interesting that that was one of your selections. So I, I agree with you. I think it, you know, obviously everybody has maybe certain clubs that they really sort of rely on when they're playing and are important to them. So um, it's interesting uh, that uh, that was one of your choices uh, for, for your clubs to be pulled. Um, just a, an interesting thought, just for something to think about moving forward. But uh, just to, to make it kind of fun. That might be something you might want to try in a, in a uh, practice round sometime is uh, not obviously for a tournament, but just in a fun round with some friends or what have you is just say, we're going to play this game and, and then do something like that and just see how they react. But um, Cindy, you're, uh, go ahead. Yeah, because in, in college, actually, there would be a couple of times where during practice we would play with uh, four clubs, seven clubs, just, trying to right. help us have to create shots rather than just going out there and playing mm-hmm. our stock shots all the time because you are going to end up in situations that may, maybe you hit a your club on a tree root and it breaks and you don't have it and you you have to kind uh-huh. of workshop something on the course and so just having practice of not not hitting shots that you're used to is great mm-hmm. to be able to score when things aren't going your way that's exactly right that that was exactly the point um well said cindy what are your plans for um two school so actually this year i was uh at the first cutoff i was 179 dollars out of being exempt into stage two so i went back to stage one ended up getting through. Um, and so after this week, we have a week off, and then I'll go back to stage two. So you're going to plantation? Yes. Well, good luck, my dear. 
And how many Thank people you. get through stage two? They haven't announced it for this year yet, but usually it's around top 40 in ties. Got it. And how many go to stage two? I want to say it's about 200 because it's top, or yeah, about 200 to 250 maybe, um, because top 95 in ties make it through from stage one, and then you have a bunch of exemptions as well going back to stage two. So if there's 250, only 40 get to go to Q series? Yes. And what happens to the other two tests? The others get um, differing levels of Epson Tor status for the following year. Okay. If you get to go to stage two and you don't do well, would you get to play in a, a lot of Epson Tor or not many? Yes. Yes and no. Um because also there are different there are different categories on the priority list based on your money list on the from the previous year so it helps if you have been on the Epson tour for a year versus last year it ended up being a little tougher for me, coming into my rookie year, um, but I got lucky that I finished just high enough last year that I got into um, all the events that I needed to post-college. Well, thank goodness, right? Yep. All right. Well, good luck next week. This week and next thank week. Thank you. So, Riley, let me ask you just a yeah, just a thought here. Um, first off, what did you major in at UVA? What was your major? I was an economics major. Okay. Oh. So, if what would you like? If, if golf was not in in the wheelhouse, what else would you like to do? Is there something else that's piqued your interest? That's a that's a great question. Um, I have not I have not quite figured that out yet. Um I'm right now I'm just trying to take golf as far as I possibly can and then figure it out from there. Um I think kind of having a sole focus right now has really helped me yep. not not worry about the future too much. Um right. but I mean possibly down the line I could see getting into coaching as well. Um, mm -hmm. But hopefully that's hopefully that's down the road enough that it's not it's not a worry in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I think that's some smart uh, analogy there. Is you need to stay focused on on what you're doing right now to be able to play your best. So um, I think that's a, a very important decision to make. Is you have to. You know, it's nice to think about things, but at the same time, you want to stay focused at the task at hand and not worry about the future. Right now, you're in the now. The past, you know, whatever's happened in the past as far as you're playing and that is, is behind you. You have to sort of regroup and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. Um, and this is, I'm going to start preparing for my, you know, I'm going to try to finish strong 2023. And then I'm going to start really focusing on, as you mentioned earlier, um, sort of focusing on some of the things you need to sort of bring up the snuff, if, as it were. Um, from this season to prepare yourself for next season. So I think that's a smart uh, play uh, doing that. But, um, well, Riley, it's been a, a, a pleasure having you join us on the show. We appreciate uh, some of your thoughts, and um, we want to wish you really a lot of uh, luck and success um, because golf is a very tricky game sometimes, but uh, I think you've got a good uh, head on your shoulders. I think you're going to do very, very well. And, um just keep uh, just keep plugging away and just keep working hard at it. And uh, before you know it, you're going to have a win under your belt, and that's going to even give you more uh, momentum and and uh, and uh, desire to to really push you know your game to its limits. But good luck the rest of uh, you know the season, the last event, and uh, at Q Series, and uh, good luck for 2024 as well. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. Good luck. You're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Riley Smythe uh, joining us uh, from the Epson tour. Um, you know, I think it's, it's just, we've got a, about a minute here and then I'm going to we'll shut things off, but just a, a sort of a quick comment. I want to get your thoughts on this. It, it's got to be very, very challenging. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned 47 years ago, you know, you went out and played your first event on the LPGA. Um, and it, it's got to be very daunting for these young ladies coming up to, especially in their first, you know, rookie season that, you know, here on the Epson tour, um, to really know what to do, where to go, how to, you know, how to, how does everything fit into place? What, where were, what were you like when you first came out? I mean, just some very quick thoughts. What, what sort of, you know, what was going through your head when you first stepped out there on tour? Well, you didn't know where to go, you know, where's the goal? Do I, I have to play a practice round. Where, where do you go? Where do you stay? I mean, it, the first year is all about where am I going? What am I doing? It's it's all about it's like your first day at school. Only each week it's a new school. It's so hard. Right. Um, so you got to play at least a couple of years just to figure out what you're doing, and then yeah, well, it's all about what you shoot and it's. There's so many girls trying to do this. That's the other part of it. It's not yeah. just, I mean, again, 250 girls going and 40 get to go to Q Series. That's unbelievable. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of broken hearts, I'm sure. I'm sure. If you get to Q Series, you don't even have really good status to play on the Epson Tour next year. I mean, yeah. it's like unbelievable. And, and yeah, Chelsea, it, well, you know, her girl, she finished 33rd at stage one, and there were 317 girls going to stage one. So yeah. those it, other 300 and whatever that didn't make it through, they don't have any status. So it's like, right. oh, thanks for coming next year. It's got to be very challenging for a lot of these players um, because the, especially now in women's golf, it's, it's taken off internationally so much. And you're not just, you know, you're not just competing against, you know, uh, other young ladies here in the United States. You're competing with girls all over the world now uh, because this is the center stage. This over here in the United States is the big market. And so this is where they're all coming to. They're all coming and competing for spots at, at the university level to get on college teams. And so it's very, very challenging. So, uh, and obviously, as you know, Cindy, not everybody makes it. And now it's even harder, I think, than probably what it was when you started out because just by oh, sheer God. volume. Right. right. I mean, just sheer volume of, of players coming in uh, on an international level, um, it just makes it so. Um, and, and again, not everybody's going to make it anyways. But now, I mean, and they're investing a lot of time and a lot of money. Uh, I mean, it's a very, you know, as we know, it's a challenging sport, but it's also can be very expensive if, if you don't have the, the proper backing and uh, you know, you're trying to make it week in week out, which can be a struggle. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge and uh, I feel for a lot of these young ladies, but uh, I give them credit and determination. And I think Riley's, I think Riley's going to do well. This was her first year, so we'll see how she does next year, but uh, it, it'll be interesting, but all right, that's it. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And again, a special thanks to both our guests this morning, Lisa O'Hurley and, uh, from uh, Lola Sports and also for Riley Smythe for joining us from the Epson Tour. Um, thank you, ladies, uh, both for joining us. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up, and we'll see you next time on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Pat. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, 
you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.